Thieves Cant is a podcast and a comic about Dungeons and Dragons. When we're not playing the game into a microphone, we're talking about playing it also into a microphone. We call these metasodes. You're in a metasode now. It's like a mimic, but it was a podcast and not a treasure chest. Welcome to our sticky grip. Welcome to the Thieves Cant podcast metazone. I'm always ready. Alright, that's terrible news. I was born terrible news. Welcome to the Thieves Can't uh, the Thieves Can't Podcast. This is our first metasode, and you're sitting here with B Fatty and the Zog. Oh shit, is this thing really on? Yeah, the microphone has been on for like 20 minutes. Alright, that's fun. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm your host and dungeon master, Bartholomew Click. And I draw cartoons, and I'm Zach. <laughs> and we're here talking today about Morgan Kanan's Tome of Foes. The new book brought to you by Wizards of the Coast. And it's... We're just going to kind of skim through it in order and kind of give our reactions to it. Although I'd, I'd like to kind of start with an overall reaction. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We can do that. Did you read it? No. Oh, that. I looked through it. Okay, I read all of it. I'm going to. Oh, that that's fair. That that's also where I'm sitting. Yes. So my my overall reaction to the book is that it's um it's an awesome little addition to the monster manual. It's got some great enemies in it that if you're a DM and you're looking for something to kick your players' butts with, it's absolutely worth picking up. But uh, it's primarily a lore book. Like, there's some player options, there's some DM options in there, and they're good, but primarily it's uh, a history of the planes on Faerun with the Mordenkainen kind of injected into the beginning of it. And I assume the middle and end somewhere, but after a while he kind of drops out of the focal point, which is weird because he's the namesake character. Yeah. But... It's like uh it's like a history textbook instead of a really good history book. If cuz people who buy history books and read them for fun know that they're really well written and that they're really good and and powerful. But this is like the AP uh is that what it's called AP Sciences or whatever? It's like the social sciences book of Dungeons and Dragons. Sure, okay. When I hear AP, I think advanced placement from high school, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like AP D&D. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it's like a history book. And if I were a new player to Dungeons and Dragons, of which there are many right now, and I had uh, went out and I bought the player's handbook because that's the thing everyone says I needed... And then I said, okay, and I'll pick up whatever the new one is, Morden Kanan's Tomo Foes. I'd be about 20 pages into this and have no idea how it's a game book. Oh, yeah, it'd be completely useless for them. Bart is now turning off his phone. Oh, shush. Um, so, and I feel like that's a structural problem with the book. I feel like if I pick up a game book and I read the first... 10 pages and I have no idea how to play the game with it by my side 
there's a failing in the book somehow. Okay. Um, so for my opinion, how nice are we trying to be? Like, do I just... Wizards is not sponsoring this or paying us in any way. Yeah, but like... Okay, I'll just give my opinion. I feel like this is a fluffy cash-in cheap book by Wizards of the Coast. I really do. It's hands down the worst 5e book I've seen yet. It's filled with problems, but the primary problem is it's 90% fluff, 10% rules. And those rules are, hey, would you like more tiefling options? Hey, would you like more elf options? Because God knows we don't have a ton of them already. And most of it is so useless. And there are some higher level monster options. But when you go through the monster section, it's just the angstiest angst fest almost all the way through with some noteworthy exceptions. And the art, uh, the art is all made by extremely talented professional artists who did a good job. The art direction of the book, on the other hand, is kind of samey crap. It's just the same old high-polished, well-rendered, photoshopped-looking uh, monsters we're used to seeing for several editions now. It's nothing original, unique, or special. And they did such a good job with the Player's Handbook, and I thought they were going to like carry that forward and push it even further to do something interesting or clever or worthwhile at some point. And Bart's skimming through. Go back up a little bit. Who's he called? Amnizu. Amnizu is a perfect example of what I'm talking about of the art. He's this weird-looking green fish guy with tiny wings and these decadent purple robes. And he's lovingly rendered by somebody who really knows what they're doing. But he looks dumb as hell. Like, it's just <laughs> stupid-looking. And if that was like a cave drawing or some ink uh, scribblings on a torn page, the idea would be carried much better that this is a menacing person. Instead, he looks like a He-Man villain and not one of the competent ones. Um, and his CR, let's see, his CR 18. Yeah, he's supposed to be a big deal. Yeah, he's supposed to be a big deal and he looks just stupid. And not stupid in a fun way like the flail snail. Oh, look at this description of him. He's, he led the Infernal Legions into battle and commanded guardians at the gateways of the hell. This is not a creature that commanded anything. This is... Wow. This is like if I was a D&D &D monster. <laughs> no, this is like a racist, ra racist Jewish stereotype monster that had like one episode on He-Man. And he's all about the scheming and the oh, deals no. and the making, the money. You know who he looks like? Who does he look like? He looks like... Have you seen Captain Planet? Of course I've seen Captain... He oh. looks like the pig, Hogs yes. Greedly. Yes, he looks like, He looks surprisingly like Hogs Greedly, except in these decadent purple robes. Um, I'll get you, Captain Planet! <laughs> but on the whole, the book, I feel, is a terrible waste of space... Like, if you're going to give us fluff, give us real fluff. Give us a goddamn story. Give us something interesting rather than all of this disjointed crap. If you're going to give us a monster manual, give us a real monster manual. All right. I guess they're watching the Adventure Zone or uh, listening to the Adventure Zone, rather, because there's, like, over on page uh, one, 150, 
there's a creature named Jublax who, as near as I can tell, is just the hunger. Oh, wait. It's called Jublax and the Oozing Hunger. Okay. Did, did the Adventure Zone steal that from them, or did they steal that from the Adventure Zone? I mean, the Adventure Zone is a D&D campaign. They didn't steal it. They just used it. If that's what they used, I don't really know. That's not a creature I'm aware of existing beforehand, but I'm assuming well, it yeah, did. There's definitely a visual similarity. I'm going to look into this. Like, okay. I need to know. But yeah, on the whole, I'm incredibly disappointed in the book. Like, they talk about halfling, all the races a little bit. And it's all just fluff. And then they talk about the lords of hell, and it's all just angsty fluff. And the only people who get room are tieflings and elves. And I'm tired of tiefling and elves. And I know, I know they're popular. And that, to some degree, makes me a bad person for hating something that's popular. But Ooh, look at the Deathlock. Yes, the Deathlock is charming. Um, but on the whole, I am super disappointed in this book. I would 100% skip it unless you need some super high-end demons for your party to fight i love that your your patron can be a cr4 deathlock oh my so, god cr4 yeah and he can be your patron yeah and this is okay this is so i i disagree with zach to a point um i don't think it's that bad of a book uh, i agree with him about the art direction some of this is just silly but there's some stuff in here that i think they needed to do everywhere like over here on the deathlock entry we see a bunch of options for if you're... Oh, no, wait. You can customize a death block by replacing some or all of the spells and spellcasting traits specific to its patron. Okay, never mind. Okay. It's uh, some DM options, not some player options. I thought that what I was looking at was, okay, if your patron is this death block, here's how your spells change, and that's cool, and that should be through here. It would also be neat to be level 5 and go kill your patron. <laughs> I'm not sure what that does to your character advance. I don't know either, but it would be cool. Um, but let's, like, you gave a very neutral uh, overall opinion, and I gave a very negative overall opinion, without listing some of the things that I think are really great in the book, because I assume we're going to get to those. Do you think I should go ahead and list those now? Because I remember them. Um, <laughs> you want to go chapter by chapter, or you just want to do that? Just do it. Just, just list the things I remember be, liking? Be Nike. Okay. Right out the gate, I liked the um, Cadaver Collector. It's angsty and it's stupid, but it's angsty and stupid in a way that I can't help but find charming and humorous. He uh, walks around and he sticks corpses on spikes on his back and then he animates them later and that's kind of cool. Has a weird, macabre sort of little old lady from the Labyrinth feel to it. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> The next thing, oh, these were great. The clockworks. The clockworks are a thing we needed a long time ago. Gnomes got a little bit of love in a way that really counts. So there are four monsters that are clockwork constructs made by gnomes. And they're cool and they're interesting. And it didn't appear to provide rules for players crafting clockworks, even if they are high-level gnomes. But the fact that the monsters exist is cool. Are you talking about the inevitables or are you talking about the section? Because you're looking at it. It's the clockworks. 
I'm really surprised that there's a section without artwork that you you glommed Scroll onto. Down. Ah, okay. Yeah, there's oh. art and uh, stats for each of the clockworks, and they're they're cool. Huh. So one of the things that I really appreciate is that the Inevitables um, are back, uh, Modron and, and them. Yes. And uh, I, I like seeing the callbacks to old 3.5 and, and, and older stuff and seeing that modernized. I'm a little surprised that they're like CR a billion. Yeah, the but, 18, I think. Oh, God, no, wait, hold on. It was way more than that. Let me find him real quick. So. Yeah, for context, Bart is DMing a game where he has promised we're going to fight some of those, and he too used a conversion from a previous edition. I implied that you're he implied. fighting. <laughs> he implied promised. Um, and I believe his are probably going to be around CR 10 because we're level 10, and he's going to put us up against an army of yeah, them. Yeah, this is CR 25, Marut. Oh, 25. And don't you worry, I'm powering this baby up for our campaign. <laughs> You're level 10, you can handle CR 25, right? Technically, we're level 9? Like, like, collectively, Duke's level 10. Duke went level 10? Yeah, Duke went level 10. Okay. Not not that anyone in here listening to that knows what this is. <laughs> but okay, okay, let's get on to the review of the actual book. Uh, talking about... Oh, one last thing that I loved is that the GIF are in here, not the GIF. But the GIF. Those are the hippos, right? Those are the space hippos. If anybody is a Doctor Who fan and remembers the um, Jadoon platoon on the moon, these guys are very similar, except they're like if the Jadoon were from Victorian England. They are space mercenaries who are giant hippos in, like, Victorian England military regalia with flintlocks and the like, and they are charming and stupid in a way that just does it for me. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I like the hippo monsters. Um, I was uh, I was disappointed not to see some Spelljammer stuff in here. I feel like uh, the GIF is kind of testing the waters, and we're going to make our way to some Spelljammer soon. Okay, so st I'm just starting uh, at the cover art. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, both variant covers are gorgeous. They absolutely designed a cover that makes you want to pick the book up. Um, no question about that. Like, I think this one falls a little flat compared to Xanathar's. Oh, yeah, especially the variant cover of Xanathar's. That was gorgeous. I loved it. And uh, Xanathar himself. Did you know that Xanathar is actually a title for a beholder? I did not. Yeah, it's like uh, there's a... There's a beholder in charge of the Thieves' Guild in one of the settings, and he's the Xanathar of the Thieves' Guild. So making him a proper noun took me a little bit by surprise. But um, I think this one is a little weaker where cover art is concerned, but still, like, you're going to see this. It's shiny. It's beautiful. And if you want a table piece, uh, this one's good. Uh, going straight over to the preface... I loved the preface um, and the preface set me up for kind of a big disappointing fall because we start to learn about Morden Kanan and we, we learn that he's this kind of untrustworthy figure. Like, do you think he's on your side? Fool. Like it's kind of an awesome vibe. And what I thought was going to happen because like, like Zach said, they nailed the player's handbook and I thought some of these supplemental materials we're going to take a step in a way that made these gaming books a bit more um, 
preservable a bit more. Let's go back and read this. It was good. And the preface here does that. Like, it's not the best writing in the world, but it's compelling. And Morden Kanan is set up as kind of an interesting figure. But then once we hit chapter one, the blood war, we are over into AP history. And you know what? I like that. Um, I don't like how this specifically is presented, but I think it's interesting to know uh, that devils and demons are always at war and devils see themselves as the vanguard protecting the rest of Faerun from uh, an endless swarm of hellish demons and demons see themselves as unappreciated uh, gods that need to be worshipped. And That's cool. But also it's dry as dry as hell and to be honest whenever i'm dming i make up my own backstories on the fly uh and that's i think that's bad for some groups like if i had a group of people who knew Faerun backward and forward and who all loved to read this kind of thing this would be awesome because people could just know about demon lords without my prompting, like giving them a card that says, Here, here's what you know about the demon lords, um, or here's what you know about the blood war. Uh, but that very rarely happens. I'm usually DMing for new people, so I can have something be in Faerun and make up whatever I want about the abyss or limbo or, or whatever. And so this stuff isn't super usable. And and like I said earlier, I don't quite see uh, how it's supposed to be a game book rather than like the Cimmerillion. Yeah, it feels like the updated Cimmerillion to me. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I didn't read that either. Uh, I didn't read anything but the uh, headers in this section. And none of those headers made me want to read the content. And so I just kept skimming. And normally that's the kind of thing I would crawl up Zach's butt for because... uh, I I lampoon him sometimes because I I think he doesn't uh, read closely enough on certain things. But honestly, I did read it and I'm not going to fault him for that. The the titles themselves are unimaginative. And I think I think I want Morton Kanan in here. I want to see. So the premise of this is that there's a group called The Balance and no one gets The Balance because The Balance will switch sides in a heartbeat because they want the war between the devils and the demons to go on forever so that no one wins because if one of them wins, everyone loses. So the order is full of long-lived people with huge, huge perspectives. And there's a thing they could have done with this book that they don't, and I'm incredibly disappointed because it occurs so easily from the material. We're reading all about... Uh, dark elves and elves and demons and devils and and, and uh, the opposite side Durgar and dwarves. Show how Morden Kanan is keeping some balance. Show him interfering with these things so that we get by the end we understand his perspective. That would have been a really nice, neat uh, kind of content sandwich. It would have been beautiful. It would have uh, compelled reading through the book. It, it would have made it worth reading all these kind of AP history sections. And the AP history part of it would have been bearable because there would have been a narrative through it. When you pick up a history book, you, you get things like uh, the cold wind whipped through the Confederate flags on the top of Bunker Hill. Uh, and perhaps it was this cold wind that drove General uh, uh, Horseradish out into the, the bleary camp and caused him to see the smoke on the horizon that night. Like, you, you get... 
um, these strong visuals. And it would be so easy to do that here and, and in doing so, create a story. Um, I think the most egregious example of the, this kind of lazy backwriting or this lazy kind of AP text writing occurs uh, in the next uh, big section, the Lords of the Nine. We see here, uh, Asmodeus is an unmatched strategist in order. The most epic of all his achievements is chronicled in The Trial of Asmodeus, a play based on purportedly true events. So you're going to write a section of this and tell me how awesome a screenplay in the world is. Well, a stage play, I guess. And then not give me a section of it. Like, start it with a section from this awesome state screenplay. Like, you don't have to write anything else but the best scene of it. Like, do that. Like, don't tell me that this awesome thing exists. Show me a piece of it. And then show me how Morden Kanan is, is fucking around with, uh, should I cuss? Cussing is bad. I don't know. You've been trying to censor yourself up to this point. Heck off. Yeah. Okay. Show but me how Asmodeus is cool and, and tied in with Morden Kanan and give me a goddamn story. Okay, but Bart has gone from neutral to hating on it pretty hard. That's because I hit the section I hate. Okay, and we're going to keep scrolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Flipping. More, sure, whatever. More text, more text. Boring, boring, boring. More text, more text. Boring, boring. Ooh, art. Um, angsty as hell. I hate you. I... <laughs> Like, okay, this is this is actually a cool section. Um, so we're down in like page 18 under diabolical cults. And Ooh, we found some crunch. We found some. It was hidden and we found it. <laughs> this isn't hidden. This is a DM options for making your cults to various devils and demons feel unique and to reward people who understand this uh, kind of dry lore. So, for example, uh, if you know your warlock invocations, you know there's a thing called the t Tomb of Levistus, and Levistus is the icy devil king. Like, he's on the cold plain of hell, and the tom Tomb of Levistus uh, protects you by freezing you in a big block of ice uh, if you take too much damage, or if you're about to take a lot of damage. Um, and this is... So there's a, a way to personalize your cult to Levistus. It, it fills out like what spells they would have instead of normal cultists and how their stats change because of their bond to Levistus. And that's cool. If you're playing a Adventure League or a, a canonical Faerun game, that's awesome. I love that. I want more of that. I think there shouldn't be any dry AP sections without rewarding you by giving you something you can do with the book as a game. Yeah, every 20 pages feels like a bit much. Is this a section where you get like plus four to this stat, plus four to that stat for following this guy? No, that's the cultists that ah, get that. Okay. Like I said, it's a DM option. It's not a player option. Yeah, the cultist section isn't a player's option either. But having read it, I'm like, I could be a cultist. You you could, but then you're a DMPC <laughs> and... Well, I don't know. I guess in, in... What were you calling them? Westmarch games? Yeah. Like, I guess in a Westmarch game, if someone's playing the villain... Like, why not? I don't think you normally play the villains in West Marches. Like, Duke's playing the villain in our game. That's true. We're not really playing a West Marches game, though. Oh, look, more tieflings. Haven't seen them we, everywhere. We haven't, though. This is the first tiefling we come across. Okay, so what do we think of these tiefling options? I mean, they're tiefling options. You can turn a tiefling into anything you want now. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just more, more. It, same with the elves. Like... 
There's just more. They already had more, and now they have more more. Oh, man. Uh, I hate the names of demon lords. I really do. Grazed. Yeah, they're a little silly. Not meant to be said out loud. Um, Fraz Urblue. All right, we made it to the uh, cultist section. That's fun. We passed Some the art. Uh, those tieflings looked pretty cool, but... <laughs> He's, uh, those are actually demonic cambions. Oh, okay. They're, they're stronger than tieflings. Hardier. Uh, not a player character. Give me a level 20 player character. I will smash the crap out of them. Okay. And then the the chapter on elves was kind of enlightening. Um, Like, I kind of get why uh, drow hate upper world elves and why upper world elves hate drow now. But also, I'm a little bit with... Like, I love tieflings. I love elves. When I make a character, it's always either a human variant because I want the feet or dragonborn tiefling elf one of those things like they're my favorite races but you know what i've never made an off standard tiefling (laughs) (laughs) i mean i make a lot of elves and tieflings too but that's because they have more and now they have more more and so it's going to be hard not to make them when you need to optimize your stats. So, so on one hand, I feel bad criticizing them for putting out more elves and more tiefling options. And like I said, they're popular, and so people want more and more for their popular, but... It's like people actually read Thieves Can't, and nobody reads Roman Empire. And I feel like the, the, like the criticism we're levying at Wizards of the Coast is, Hey, Bart and Zach, why don't you make more of this comic nobody likes <laughs> instead of this comic everybody likes? So I get why... They're they're going to make more elves and more tieflings, and they're going to make even more elves and tieflings because that's what people like out of this setting. Yeah, but we live in shitty apartments in the middle of Kansas, and these people are a corporation. With, like, <laughs> they have armies. Well, yeah, they're, of, they're never going to take a risk. They're a corporation. The only thing that matters is the bottom line. They have armies of writers and artists, and you know what about bottom lines? That's a terrible excuse. Look at Marvel. Right. Beautiful. Disney's Marvel. I never thought it would happen like this, but they're taking the stupidest, most ridiculous things and making them good because there's good in there and people want the good. And they're not just making the same angsty, stupid superhero movies. And the people who are failing. I'm Batman. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And make humans good. Make halflings. Halflings are already great. Halflings are the best race. And, uh, Halflings or half elves? Halflings. Half well, elves are fine. Um, half elves are wonderful because you can get the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's just like the one canonical instance of min maxing your race that is allowed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want all the, the best things of being a drow, but I don't want sunlight sensitivity. And hey, can I start with a feet? Okay, they don't get to start with a feet, but. No, you, they don't. But you they know, do. people ask. They do get a skill of their choice, so they can be that paladin who's an acrobat for no apparent reason. Um, Are you making fun of me? No. Okay. But what was that table we just went by? Elf deities. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another table of deities. Moving on. Another table. It's the first table of deities. I I think. D&D books have so many tables of deities. I don't care. There's enough deities in the real world, and there's enough deities I've already seen. I'm a little bit there with you. I, I, I kind of wonder why we need 700 canonical pantheons. 
Yeah. And again, it's one of those things that in any homebrew game, 90% of the player base is just going to swap these out with their version of it. Or uh, in my game, we're doing like Celtic gods and Nordic gods. So yeah. like you worship Thor and... Love Thor. Uh, Great god. You're tooling around in... Um, oh god, what's his name? Uh, some M named Celtic god that's impossible to pronounce. I don't recall, but uh, yeah, they're in his land though, and he's cool. But a second edition gods table is functionally identical to a fifth edition gods table, like that doesn't need to be updated, it's fine. Hey, look, Coralon is chaotic good. Moving on, (laughs) you're grumpy. This book is a real disappointment. Okay, I love the terrible handwritten notes that are supposed to represent Mordenkainen's point of view and all this stuff. I didn't even attempt to read them. Yeah, it's like they don't want you to. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go through and read them all and see if they piece into anything. Throw it into the real goddamn body. Don't throw it. Don't hide it in the artwork. No one looks at artwork. And don't make it harder. I look at artwork, but that made it harder to read. And so I didn't read it. (laughs) Like, I was zinging on you there, but um, I mean it, though. If you hide something in the design of the book, very few people are going to read it. Oh, yeah. Like, I had a history professor who... um, That's cool. There's, like, Dracula. Yeah, more angst-tastic. It's over on page 59. I guess there's some Dracula elves after the Oh, those are the Shadarkai. You're a Shadarkai. Just beautiful stat distribution on those guys, but I can't play them. They're too angsty. I, I'm going to play an angst. Okay, we need to Shadar Kai in the comic now. <laughs> like, Keely is totally making a Shadar Kai. No, she's not. Oh, yeah, I, she is. I, no. You just said the stat distribution was beautiful. She's going to have rainbows if she's a Shadar Kai. I don't yeah, know. fine. Like, because she wouldn't give a crap. <laughs> like, she would have, like, Rainbow Sparkle, the Shadar Kai, who's, like, part pony or something. Like, she, can I have a ponytail? Can I have an attack with the ponytail? Then I don't care. Like, the that's human Keely. part of her centaur is Shadar Kai because uh, <laughs> Rainbow Shadar Kai. Gotta really get that stat distribution optimized. Okay. And I love the Raven Queen, but this is not interesting. Uh, elf sub races. That's pretty cool. Um, the Eladrin. They went to a weird place with Eladrin. I I missed it when you had to roll for what personality you had in the moment. It's too fussy though in actual play. Like you're and you wind up having um manic depressive episodes where you're just like, yeah, let's do this. Everything is awful. I'm going to ruin everything for everyone. Oh no, wait, that's still in there. The finishing a long rest and Ian Ladrin can change their season. Okay. Yeah, yeah don't care nice. for the Eladrin. It, it's for the role player who has to eat the table, and I don't... So, like, Jaylee? I like Jaylee, though. Yeah, so. she's good at it. Yeah. It's like if I was trying to be that guy. I wasn't going to say that, but I'm also not going to argue. <laughs> hey, Zach, have you thought about ramming it up your... Okay. Um, Elf tables! Mm, Ooh, special table. elf trinkets! I want elf trinkets! Yeah, I skimmed those. They were boring. It's a notebook that causes anything written in it to disappear after an hour. I want that. I don't know why. I like my 9-volt battery I got from the normal trinket table. Is it really a 9-volt battery? That's the only thing that really makes sense. It's described as a 9-volt battery. Like, it doesn't say it says Duracell on it, but... Ooh, elven story hooks. That's Ooh. pointless. <laughs> it, it's fluff pretending to be crunch, which is somehow really offensive. 
A close friend of yours was revealed to be a worshipper of Elistria. Suspicion falls on everyone in her circle. Running was a tacit admission of guilt, even though you knew nothing about it. But you'd have been a sacrifice to Loth if you'd stayed. Sure, yeah. These are story hooks for people playing in this world. Yeah. So I think my, my hot take on this book is if you don't play in Faerun proper with all like the official canon and you're not likely to run into Minsk and Boo, don't buy this. <laughs> Dwarves! Oh, that's a good picture right there. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the first picture after on page 66, the just happy dwarf children and... Yeah. It looks like Nazi propaganda, though. It's like blonde dwarf children <laughs> with a happy dog. I can't not see it now. That, that's a German shepherd. It absolutely looks like Nazi propaganda. When your dwarven blood is pure, the country is safe, y'all. Stop. No, that's, I really wish you hadn't said that, because that absolutely looks like Nazi propaganda now. It, Ooh, Moria for some reason. I love that they've never evolved dwarves beyond what Tolkien wrote. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they have, but also... That's another good one. Very Hobbit-y with an old dwarf telling the tales to all the Yeah, page 70. It's a picture of a dwarf in front of a fireplace. That's great. But what I like about these is they have this, like, soft children's book look to them, and the rest of the art has that sort of default fantasy... Yeah, like, why is the art direction in the dwarf chapter so much better? What's going on here? Well... The people who like dwarves aren't the angsty 16-year-olds. Well, some of them are. Yeah, yeah. we <laughs> we made it to the avatar of uh, Mordrin, and he's kind of... Oh, he's like if Metalocalypse made a dwarf. But what's good about this section is they have a variety of aesthetics they're depicting the dwarves with, and so it's actually really good. Like, the art gets good here because they don't have to, like, embrace the angst. And they are not just doing these smooth, polished, here you wanted some art, have your fucking art, you plebe, for the monster manual section. They're actually making contextually appropriate and interesting art for it. Ooh, Durgar. Yeah. Worshipping an elephant or being slaves to an elephant. Yeah, I I, I'm pretty sure that's being slave to a mother brain. Yeah. One of these days, Samus will come save them. It's fine. She loves killing mother brains. I guess I guess Tolkien didn't have mother brains, so they have evolved it a little. Yes, yes, they have. But Dur well, Durgar are holy. No, nothing's to say Tolkien didn't have mother brains. Christopher Tolkien hasn't released everything. Like it might come out. Like Durin and the mother brain. Moving on, girl. Yeah, some big square tower because they're dwarves. Everything's square. Okay, that looks cool. Ginger dwarf what? with a mohawk. What is it? Uh, Balthran Ironheart. And here's your uh, default dwarf uh, options, just special allies. Oh, dwarves in the clan. The following table can be used to create basic information about a clan of dwarves. That's cool. Like, okay, that, like, I don't see a lot of people make dwarves. Like, I think, you're, I think your girlfriend's the only person at my table who's ever made a dwarf. And, and, like, having some options for, like, just fleshing out your dwarf clan, which is supposed to be a hugely important part of dwarfness, that's cool. Like, if everything was like that, I think I'd be less objectionable. But, but I went through, I'm on page 82 at this point, and there was just a bunch of stuff that, at this point, I'm in the same place, Zach. It's like, I read, <laughs> I read uh, all of the demons and devil chapter, 
And if that if they were leading with their strongest content, then I'm very sad. But I couldn't read that much of the elf chapter. Like I started, and then I said, okay, whatever. They're elves, and I went over to the drow because I fucking love drow. <laughs> And I read a bit of that, and they sure are drow. Um, yep, yep, they are. Uh, and I didn't read the dwarves. I didn't read the gnome chapter, or uh, I think there's a gnome chapter. Yeah, there's a gnome chapter. Um, like, I love this. Like, rolling on a table to determine who who's in your uh, who's in your clan and, and what their purposes are and stuff. That's great. Yeah, no, those are some good tables. The dwarf section is the best section in the whole book. Uh, halflings, they did a better job than most of the book. And gnomes, they did an all right job. And by the time, like, right after that, we hit the gif. And uh, I have a really hard time caring. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I love playing Gish um, in general. Oh, yeah. But like, the Gish races in 5e don't really appeal to me because I can do everything I want with a Gif as a Dragonborn or a Tiefling or a Half-Elf. Or a human or a gnome or a... Because you don't need a strength I don't, int race anymore to be a Gish. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you kind of do if you want to be a blade singer, but... No, you could be Dex. Yeah. And even and you have to be an elf for Bladesinger. And if you're going to be an Eldritch Knight, it helps, but... Eh. An Eldritch Knight with goddamn Shadow Blade. Oh! You get all the benefit of a great sword, but also have a shield. All right, so skim through this, because this is... What uh, is this? To be descriptive. It, this is the angsty gif, ra gif race, and we got some uh, a sword... With some stats for the sword, that's nice. It would be nice to have that collected somewhere. But uh, we Greater have... Silver Sword. It's a plus three sword that requires attunement. Uh, and you have advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws and are immune to being charmed. So you turn into an elf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess sort of. Elf Resistance plus to psychic three, damage. But... Uh, in addition, if you score a critical hit... Oh, against the creature's astral body, you can cut the silvery cord that tethers the target to the material body instead of dealing damage. Well, there you go, DM. Figure that out. Yeah, that's a cool sword. Uh, the next picture is some dragon boats breathing fire. Um, oh, oh, this is great. Like, there's an airship with chains that go into a giant skull's eyes and they're like yanking it forward. I have no idea what they're doing, but I might go back and read a little bit of the gift chapter just to figure it out. That is one of the cooler pieces of art in the book. It might be a little offensive, I think, uh, to someone who's listening to this and going, hey, if you didn't read the whole book, why are, why are you reviewing it? Um, I've read 100% of it I am ever going to read. Yeah, that's that's where I'm sitting. Like, other than the monster tables, like I'm definitely coming back and and consulting some of these tables as they come up and if Ooh, they come tables up. for gif. And if you love your big thick lore books, read the big thick lore book. I don't care. I'm not judging you. I'm happy you enjoy something and that there's a product for you to enjoy. I don't want this book. <laughs> yeah, if you like your AP history books and you like the style of a college textbook. Some people do. I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah. Um, if you like the style of the college textbook, this is fine. But I prefer textbooks with a narrative. Halflings and gnomes. They should have led yeah, with Yeah, look the at halflings. that starting image. That's so great. It's, it's like, like little gnomes halfling on a... hugging a goat and his children and his grandpappy and his wife tugging on the goat. Trying to get a rose or something out of its mouth. I don't know. Yeah, it's great. It's this heartwarming family moment looking thing. 
hidden asshole in- flip, skipping a fish on the top of a pond. I feel like they're describing like like here's an example of I don't want to read this. So life as a halfling is one of the subheaders, and I'm not going to read that first paragraph because I'm not a halfling, and I'm never going to be living as a halfling. I'm going to be a halfling adventurer. Yeah, everything also, you has can a sum story. It up with Shire, right? <laughs> so everything has a story. Yeah, cool. I know. Um, I don't need to read that. Hidden in plain sight. I am ninety percent sure there's a section with that exact title in the player's handbook. If there isn't, there's one close enough to it that I feel like maybe they expanded some of the material that's already there. But like, you do have to earn the read, wizards. Yeah. But I hold. I, I for, I'm disappointed. I forgot that the dwarf section was the best section in the whole book because it it's really pretty well put together i don't know this ogre with the purple shit chasing him is pretty cool on page 103 yeah yeah they're willing to get pretty cartoony with the uh, halflings and the gnomes i guess he's got a table chasing him it's a table and pots and pans cutlery and uh, a table of halfling deities Woo! that was missing we i to be fair we've had way more elf deities than we have halfling deities so that's not as silly a table in my mind Ooh, okay this is cool racial specific uh, personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. Uh, the angry GM was for a, before his uh, big pile of unspeakables crashed and he lost it forever for some reason. I don't know what happened, but he lost it. He had a project he was working on that gave racial specific personality stuff, and I loved it. And um, if every race that was mentioned in here had that, like if all the different tieflings had their own personality tables to roll on, if all the different dwarves and Dergar had their yeah. own personality tables and flaw tables and stuff, I think I'd be a lot less critical in general about this section, especially since you could kind of trick me into reading the AP history stuff. Because if <laughs> I get to the end of a section, and by the end of that section there's a relevant table for me to roll on, that's how my character is involved in this bit of lore, it would be much more obvious how this as a game book and i would be much more willing to uh put up with the con- the construction of the book because right now there's this kind of expectation that i'm i'm gonna read these history sections front to back <laughs> and I'm, I'm really not like i did because i wanted to talk about it into our podcast but if i had just picked up morgan kane and soma foes and I was getting ready for my game. I'd have gone straight to the monster tables. Um, yep. I would have ma- I'd have tried to read it. And to be honest, without needing to talk about it to an audience, I wouldn't have gone past the first section because I went, oh, okay, D&D history lore. And I felt no such obligation. We made it to the gnomes. Again, cartoonier art style. Tinker gnomes. Let's see. Go big or go home. Creation of tinker gnomes range from the ridiculous to the dangerous. Yeah, I'm not interested. I feel like a dick, but... Like, I may have to go through the gnome section to see if they gave rules for building the clockworks, because those are cool monsters, and tinkers should be able to build them. Here's a, I did not know that kobolds were the uh, forever enemy of the gnomes. I did not know that. I didn't care. Yeah, because, like, okay, and bear with me, if I make a gnome, he's on an adventure somewhere. <laughs> Also, it I think I think it's really common, actually, that players bring their fantasy sensibilities from whatever fantasy they like to read. Oh, like yeah. My generation, they're going to bring 
the Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings. They're going to bring the Sword of Shannara with them when they play. They're going to make stuff based on things they already make and like. So writing up all this lore around it, I think, is going to be a counterproductive at worst at the table because um, the DM might, if he's like the kind of uber nerd who loves this stuff, might build a world around these specific rules, these specific racial ties. But a person who's just building like a 90s kid or I guess an 80s kid. I don't know. When was David the Gnome a thing? Like someone whose conce- con- conception I, of gnomes did not come from World of Warcraft, but came from David the Gnome. That person's not going to understand the fantasy world in the same way that uh, this book is presenting them. And there's not much of an incentive to get through it. Um, because A, again, I hate to harp on this over and over again, but this stuff is not easy to read. And I love reading. But also, like, why put something in there that doesn't have a big demand for it? Release small, slender books with small, interestingly written things and cool rules I can use. And just just admit that this is, is acceptable plagiarism. Admit that halflings are hobbits and that you can't use the word hobbit because of a fight we've been having with since the 70s about copyright law and 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 stop trying to make your orcs not the things that came out of uh mordor i don't know i feel like orcs are in a pretty safe place because orcs are just the generic big strong bad guy in fantasy setting right now everybody knows what an orc is their origins don't matter they're I've had so many players who who will have a half orc character yeah. or an, or an orc character post volos and the whole time they're like zug zug for yeah. the or like they bring World of Warcraft with them like all this extra lore tacked onto the races is not making the product better. Okay, to be fair, ninety percent of the people playing orcs and doing the zug zug etc etc don't know the lore from World of Warcraft because the lore from World of Warcraft is even stupider than the lore from D anD. d Oh yeah, like I agree with you, but you absorb <laughs> a lot of it because if you you absorb a video game differently than you absorb uh. A tabletop. Yeah, what they take with them is like orc culture, not orc history. Yeah. And And we've hit some kind of peak nerd right now because we're talking about the orc culture of World of Warcraft, so... Yeah, but uh, (laughs) skim the gnome section. See if you can find a thing about uh, building clockworks. Because the clockworks were really cool, and the gnome... Dwarves got a really cool section. Halflings got kind of a disappointing section. If gnomes have a section about how to build the clockworks, gnomes get an awesome section, but it's probably not. It's the rock gnomes that get that, right? Really, with Tinker Gnome as an option, you think it's the rock gnomes? I I thought it was the rock gnomes that got the tinker stuff. You might check the tinkers for the tinkering. I didn't know there was a gnome called a tinker. Like, there's forest gnome and rock gnome and deep gnome. Yeah, in the player's handbook, the tinker no- or the uh, rock gnome is the one who can tinker and make the little constructs, but they're terrible and useless. They do less than a cantrip's worth of effect on the world and have a gold cost. Well, to be and- fair, racial abilities are supposed to be kind of weak. Like, until that's you why get cobalts flight. are... Well, yeah, but like, look at what cobalts give up before. Oh, wait, do cobalts get wings? No, cobalts no. do not get wings, but... They uh, get pack tactics, that's right. Like a tiefling, though, that takes flight has to give up everything. A dragonborn that takes flight no, has to take it as a feat. They just have to give up a couple spells. They can still have other things. That's a huge part of a racial kit, though, the spells. Yeah, but which is better? Three legitimate spells that you can use one time per day? Or the ability to make three things that are each individually worth less than a cantrip? Well, okay, but three spells... Um, 
That's like eight levels of wizard. <laughs> you get a lot more out of eight levels of wizard than three spells. Right, but what I'm saying is that, like, to get those three spells normally, you'd need to get, like, levels in a class. So the spell list of a race is actually kind of very important. Like, drow having darkness is a big deal. Yeah, and they're willing to give away some big spells and some big powers. And so Tinker's only being able to build something that will mimic the noise of something or just wander around and beep and boop is really kind of lame. Yeah, I like, yeah, now that you mentioned I do want, I do want a big table that's about how to build more Tinker crap as a gnome. But it yeah. doesn't appear to be in here. No, no, it's not. So moving on. What Ooh, Christ's name is an Alep. Oh, oh, I, I, I missed a page. We're at the Bestiary. Yeah. yeah, this is the good part. This is why you buy this book. And uh, other than the art direction being a little wonky, the way Zach said, there's nothing really in the Bestiary that I dislike. The monsters, um, it finally looks like they're catering uh, to high-level play, which yeah. has been difficult to find high-level content uh, without buying specific adventures. So, like, the only reason I have Elemental Evil is to plunder its bestiary. Like, I will never run Elemental Evil. I, I just can't DM out of an adventure guide for some reason. Uh, but, you know, I absolutely have Elemental Evil because I wanted the monsters out of it. Yeah, they did start... And the spell options. And They did start giving out some high-level monsters. So if you're, like, an Edgelord power gamer, this is the perfect monster manual for you because... All the demons you can kill. Don't insult our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Balanoth. <laughs> I do feel like they were like they. I think somewhere Wizards of the Coast has like a table of syllables, and they roll dice on their syllable table to make some of these names. Like, all right, the bone claws, silly. Keep rolling. Burbalong. Yeah, the burbalong. Balhanoth. Like, they're rolling names on a table, and you can't tell me otherwise. Cadaver Collector's really cool. Yeah. Choker. Um, that looks like a high-level creature, but it's CR1, so... Well, also, it has no bones in its arms, but isn't as imposing as an octopus, so... I didn't see high-level creature out of that. It looks like if I, if I bumped into that in my house, I would die. I would just die. I'm surprisingly not scared of things without bones. But octopus are terrifying. In the ocean. My house isn't in an ocean. Okay. <laughs> you can roll on a table of clockwork malfunctions to augment your monsters. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. The clockwork section's amazing. The dwarf section and the clockwork section. Beautiful. Both of them. The rest of the book is... You can have it have weak armor or rusty gears. You can have it only be able to turn at 90 degree angles. <laughs> also, there's clockwork enchantments that buff it. Uh, enhancements. Enhancements. I, I don't have as great view of the book, and I also don't read great, so. Okay, yeah, no, I love the clockworks. I'm with you 100%. Yeah, there. no, they're amazing. I love them. The corpse flower looks like a Magic the Gathering card. A little bit, but it's made by the same people, so whatever. I I always forget that. <laughs> I, I don't know how I can forget it. And, and then, the thing that blows my mind is, technically, we're playing a Hasbro game. Yes, yes, technically we're playing a Hasbro game. Oh, okay, shit. The Deathlocks are... 
Oh, okay, no. I'm offici- I officially like this. Because uh, Deathlocks are an undead thing. I've been looking for more undead. Sh- I love undead. They're my favorite monster class. I throw them at my party every time I can. So much I'm running a paladin now. Next time I'm probably going to roll up a cleric. <laughs> like, and uh, I try to warn my players that it's it, when I'm going to go undead heavy so that they don't take a lot of charms and stuff. But Because um, that happened to me once. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> Character completely worthless right out the gate. <laughs> uh, yeah, so these, these Deathlock options are actually really interesting to me. I'm definitely going to be coming back here. Um, demons. I, I think the window fungus looked neat. Like, I could use that. That's kind of cool. Uh, Alkalith? Yeah. Yeah, he's interesting. <laughs> Easily mistaken for some kind of foul fungal growth that appears on doorways, windows, and other portals. So it's a kind of a mimic. Yeah. Okay. And we're back to randomly named, randomly rolled words, though, because Alkalith, Armonite. All right, but we're only like halfway through the book. Speed up, speed up. Okay. We don't have to read every... Just mention the stupid things or the good things. Okay, I think you're going a little fast, but... Well, I, uh, I don't think commentary on us just... Like flipping through, because you know we said we don't like most. Oh of wait, these wait. Things. There's oh. that statue thing where the guy's stealing the ruby out of the eye. That's a really old, iconic D and D. Yeah, one seventy seven on page one seventy seven. Yeah, um, he's in here in the book somewhere, and he's up and walking around. And I don't think he was like an animated statue. I think that's just what that demon guy looks like, and he looks exactly like the statue. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's one of the old adventure covers. And that is the least creative thing I could think of on Earth because the statue has this nice, dopey, old statue look to it. Like, it was made without a lot of detail. And it's probably, I think it's a statue of Moloch. Sure. There's a CR-21 large fiend. But they have him up and walking around somewhere else in here. One of his legendary actions is Stinking Cloud! Stinking cloud. Okay, I'm gonna put this out here. Stinking cloud is a privilege, not a right. Yeah, DMs, you remember, it's a privilege to use stinking cloud on oh. your players, not a right. <laughs> I was going the other way. <laughs> oh my god, this guy's name is Titvillis. <laughs> okay, weird, angsty, cr-sixteen looking guy. Titvillis. Zariel! Hey, they hit their angel random angel name generator. Ooh, there's Drow. Of Let's read all drow. about the drow arachnomancer. Mm. Zach, does no. that make you happy? Let's, no. I want to read about the drow arachnomancer. You had lots of time to read about the drow arachnomancer. I think we should like make an, a separate episode of the podcast just to talk about the drow arachnomancer. Mm. <laughs> he hates drow and I don't know why. I'm going to make a drow campaign. No, I'm just going to be I'm just really kind of tired of elves and dritz. What's wrong with dritz? I hear his books are good. It's just... You've never read one and you're shit-talking him. Come on. He's he's like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, as far as I know. Just, oh, he's so badass. The most badass. Uh, there he is. There he is, all standing up, being all cool. But That's he, not dritz, by the way. We're talking about the statue of Moloch. Again. Oh, hey, that is an animated statue. Okay. I thought that was Moloch. No, it's sacred statue, and it's missing its eye. Why is it up and moving? I don't know. It doesn't have a CR. 
That's weird. Why doesn't it have a CR? Oh, okay. So it's a part of the Eidolon encounter, who is himself CR12. Okay, cool. So it's kind of a... It's kind of a big, important CR-12 monster with its own minion. That's neat. The whole statue is a minion? Uh, not in the, not in the, um, not in the fourth edition sense. Like, he's, the statue comes with, uh, El, uh, Eidolon, who is a medium undead. Okay, I guess he animates it. I thought that was the actual demon lord himself coming around to look dopey. Okay, (laughs) um... Let's see, we're in the section on Eladrin now. Yeah, Eladrin are terrible, worse than elves. Okay, so this is how to make your players fight some Eladrin, which you'd, you'd like that, Zach. You want to kill you some elves? No. No? no. See, Elder Elementals. Yes, Elder Elementals were cool. We have all... Oh, there we go. Elder Tempest. Yeah. Elder Tempest is the most This awesome. is what I want out of a DM book. This yeah. is a D&D book. Yeah, when I'm a legendary Pokemon trainer, I'm going to need this section. <laughs> It's mm, so good. You're a bad human being. I want to roll up a Pokemon trainer. Oh, hey, the Myrmidons are somewhere other than Elemental Evil now. That's good. Yeah. That uh, looks like they got uh, tweaked a little bit. They don't seem like I'd have to go check. Oh, and here's your gif. Yep. I like that they didn't just port the monsters over. By the way, the Demon Lords got um, uh, debuffed out of the adventures that they appear in. And I think... Good that they like play tested that really heavily and then brought them uh down in power for this. Like, I didn't think they were too strong, but yeah, I wholly disagree. Demon Lords, they're supposed to be really, really strong. They're a but lord. the fact that it's not the same creature, yeah, is, is what I'm uh lauding here because I don't appreciate like. I understand that because of like why Xanathar's has repeated content from uh. Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, but I also people complained about that. Like, PHP plus one is not a standard rule. Yeah. So, like, I understand why they would repeat content, but also there's no reason for them to repeat the monster content. Mm. I'm glad they didn't, for the most part. Look at that ridiculous steampunk pipe. I love it so much. He, the gif are funny. Um, I love his steampunk pipe and his gun. He's wholly out of setting. Oh, yeah. Like, this this creature, it looks like he comes from Star Control. Steampunk yes, Star Control. Yes, there we go. Oh, he's just got this ridiculous musket cannon and a sword and a dagger. And those fit, but he's dressed like a Sky Admiral. Oh, right. yeah. Keep going. Keep no, going. We, let's, I want to talk about hippos. Okay, talk about the hippos some more. I'm done talking about hippos. All right, now we made it to the GIF. They're right next to each other. Yeah, I have nothing to say about the GIF. Same. And here's some generic dog monsters. Gray Renders. That's cool, I guess. Yeah. Like, how do you... Like, what is the creative process here where you... you, Like, hey, we need something about CR8 that's a dog. Um, Well, it's actually surprisingly a lot of work because what they're doing is they're collecting all of the old content that ever existed for D&D and they're reprinting it in 5th edition rather than making up their own stuff. Uh, The only thing that's wholly original to this book from previous editions to D&D, I'm pretty sure, could be mistaken, but pretty sure, is the uh, Cancer Kid monster. Come again? (laughs) Um... 
the slime that eats people and then makes a oh, copy of them. Oh, God, those things are terrifying. Yeah, uh, they are. They're pretty good. The Make-A-Wish Foundation, a kid's wish was to work with the Wizards of the Coast people to make a monster, and he did, and it's cool. Ooh, those guys look like uh, Dark Crystal guys. They look cool. Don't, don't, like, they don't, they don't get to see why you reacted. Like, <laughs> it's a magpie or something. Uh, no, go back. Why? Like, what happened? Why did you call it the Cancer Kid Monster? Ed, the kid was dying and through the Make-A-Wish Foundation got to make a monster with the Wizards of the Coast team. And, and we're talking about the slime that can replicate people? Yeah. Yeah, that I'm going to abuse the hell out of that monster. Yeah, no, it's a good great. monster. It's a good monster. It's a really he good died? monster. He died? The guy who made it died? Probably. It was with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. That doesn't mean they died. I mean, he's dying. Uh, he's gonna. That's callous. It's the point. Uh, I'm not saying it's not callous. I'm just saying that's why he got to do it and I didn't. Are you jealous of Cancer Kid? Are you <laughs> no, jealous I of get the to live. Okay. Okay. Just making like, sure. It, it, it balances out. But <laughs> has anyone ever told you you are incredibly problematic? Yes. Okay, good. Um, Nagpa are awesome. They're like, uh, what? Like a bird with a cloak and a skull. That's awesome. Yeah, big hunched over vulture. Okay, thing. that is not a CR-17 anything. It's like a CR-2 NPC that yells at you. Yeah, they look like the guys from the Dark Crystal, and those guys are not actually scary. Like, fighting them would not be terrifying. Long ago, the Raven Queen cursed a cabal of 13 powerful wizards. So they're... No, they're Kinku. Oh, God. They're just different Kinku. Yeah. <laughs> All right, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. We got it. Ooh, Nightwalkers are awesome. Oh, of course it's undead. Okay. It's a huge undead. So it's a, a, a creature from the negative plane. It's a being of pure anti-life. Oh, my God. Oh, CR20 anti-life creature. I'm an, I'm erect. Oh, yeah. Feel that angst just glowing off of it. Oh, it's just angst. I like serious things. Shut up, Zach. <laughs> I want... Okay, you're definitely going to encounter this guy. When we're level 20, that's fine. Nah, I'm going to throw it to you like level 11. Here we go, the Oblex. This is uh, this is the creature that mimics people. And there's three versions of it. Okay, so there's... Yeah, it's really cool. It's really well fleshed out. Oblex spawn, adult Oblex. And if you were not already afraid of oozes and all the horrifying things DMs can do with them... Welcome to the new world where now oozes can also pretend to be the party member they just ate. Yes, it's pretty great. But uh, let's see, more ogre options. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's very Magic the Gathering. It's something I would expect out of uh, homebrew content, actually. Also true. Another spidery thing. Smack me when I say the word actually. It's like the neckbeardiest word. It is pretty neckbeardy. Actually, ow! He dodged. I didn't actually hit him. I tried though. <laughs> I was excited for this guy until I found out he was stupid. The frost salamander? Yeah. What's wrong with him? CR nine primordial, some kind of huge he's, elemental. He's a huge CR nine, and that doesn't make sense to me. Why not? Like you need big things to throw at small parties. Why? Why not? Why? Because some... Okay, because <laughs> a lot of people don't play to level 20. Most people don't, but you're not killing, like, tyrannosaurs. It, you're not, like... 
slaying elementals and elder elementals and stuff like but that. But now if I'm a DM and I want if I if I know the campaign's coming to an end and we're just never gonna get to high level, I can take this frost salamander, reskin it as a dragon, uh, and boom, I don't have to do that work. Like, yay, our our characters at the pinnacle of their power get to kill a dragon or something very like a dragon, and that's cool. Yeah. Oh, huge NCR9 that just seemed to... Okay. Well, you're, you're allowed to be wrong. It's fine. Verily. Keep moving. Okay. Shadar Kai. So a bunch of NPC Shadar Kai. Wow. So, okay. So the Shadar Kai are basically my drow. Because, yeah. okay, in, in, in my, my homebrew, I always thought it was really weird that the drow were all dark-skinned and evil like a um i'm kind of i'm like huge i'm a huge lefty so i see that making all the villains black is a problem but also uh why would you have dark skin if you're underground all the time that's not it usually goes the other way around so i i i've divided my drow into the ones who can go above ground without too much pain and and they wear like goggles and stuff and they have dark skin um and that adaptation allows them to come up more often so if you see drow merchants in my homebrew it's because they could leave the underdark and then when you go into the underdark and meet the drow down there it's like translucent skin at at worst and pale skin at best and uh the shadar kai just seem to be except even angstier than your average drow <laughs> like i liked i didn't think the raven queen was that angsty of a creature but oh yeah she loves her some macabre because they're like menacingly holding a chain at you while they're uh like interpretive dancing this is great oh she's like casting a spell it's on page 225 and there's a gloom weaver doing interpretive dance while someone from like like an elf from the rock operas of the 80s is menacingly holding a knife on the right hand side and in the middle that's the lead singer. He's holding a chain. and That appears to be made from bone. And uh, that guy's about to open up with the chorus. See, I was supposed to be the negative Nancy, and you were supposed to be pro-Mordenkainen from our previous discussions, and you were just being so down on this stuff. When have you ever heard me be a, a voice of positivity? It happens. You it absolutely happens. argued with me when I was negative Nancy, but let's keep going. Oh, Here's just a random-ass picture of a guy fighting a shitload of skeletons. Yep. I love it. Fighting skeletons me, is good. Give me more of that. I have no... Like, what is the context? Like, why? Skull Lord, In the shadow fell and elsewhere in the multiverse, the curse of undeath threatens to overwhelm all right life. But it's not a skulk. That's a good two-page spread. It's a beautiful two-page spread. I want more of that. I, I love pictures of just people killing skeletons. It's my favorite thing in fantasy. When you talk to me about fantasy, in my head I see people killing skeletons. This is great. Also, skeletons are great to kill. One hit, they go down. You I'm just making this my phone tons of them. Oh, oh, it's a skeleton with three skulls. The Skull Lord. Yes, yes. We call him Three Skull. Your quest is to seek him out and bring me one of his two skulls. One of his three skulls. I'm sorry. He has two now. I had another adventuring party bring me one of his three, and now he has two. (laughs) This is clearly what makes him tough, is that he has extra skulls. Like, 
Okay, so the worst case scenario. Well, he's also armored and has a staff, and so he's probably got some. But he also has two more skulls than normal. Like, is there a five skull somewhere that's, like, even beefier? I don't know. I feel like there should be. Is this guy CR-15? Oh, hell. Because he has two more skulls than normal. If you had nine skulls, you would be CR-30. Like, you would just have an aura of anti-life. One skull makes you CR one quarter. It's Dude. some kind of parabolic curve that goes sharply upward after three skulls. Yeah, if you had a fourth skull, you'd be like CR-40. <laughs> you make it the nine skulls, you're like CR-2000. <laughs> Ultra instinct skull lord. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we, we, we're now at the keep, sorrow sworn that's ugly. Keep going. We don't have to talk about everything we run across. Those things are ugly and stupid looking. We, I guess we're into monstrosities. Ugly and stupid looking. So I'm confused. Like, there's a skull lord, and then behind that there's a skulk that isn't undead. So I understand why the skull lord is near the guy killing a bunch of skeletons, I guess? But, like, that beautiful spread is just so randomly placed. It is a little odd. There's a monster called the Angry. It's just me. The Lonely, the Hungry. Oh, he's lost. It's the lost. The wretched. Like, that feels like homebrew. Yeah. A lot of those old school monsters do. Star Spawn Lava Mage. That feels like a character concept. Yes. Like, it feels like one of your characters. No. Okay, it feels like what my interpretation of your character is. Yes. I don't know. It's, I guess it's made of maggots? Kind of looks like it. Star like she or something. A nightmarish combination of mortal body and otherworldly substance. Substance? Okay. Come on. Otherworldly substance is meaningless. He's just made of stuff. Don't nitpick every little thing. There's a lot of book. Come on. All right. Well, we're almost at the end. We are getting close to the end, but I want to Stone cursed? Yes, I thought that that gave me a chuckle when I read it. It's Scott. It's Scott from our comic. Yeah. I love it. And he's like zombieing at you. He's like doing the, the, the stereotypical 80s zombie walk. Cool. Ooh, sword wraith. Yep. Okay. Yeah, like a normal wraith, but angstier. I've there are, there are a lot more undead in this book, and I like it for that. So I'm definitely going to be using this book a lot. I'm just not going to be reading it a lot. Yeah, but you only needed like half the book, because... Yeah, like the first half of this book is extraneous. Tortles! Let's see, troll. Ooh, more troll options. That's kind of cool. Yeah, they do go all out on the troll options. It felt super homebrew. Eh. Yeah, but more trolls and more ogres are, are good. I just, it does feel, why does it feel homebrew? It does. It doesn't make any sense. It's just random lols. Let's do this. Yeah, it's a little out of place. Yeah, vampiric mist is cool. So CR3, uh, ooh, it's right up there with uh, slimes. It's another environmental monster. Yeah, I like it. Ah, they're former vampires, so it's an undead slime. Yeah, that's what happens if a vampire doesn't eat. He turns into a skeleton and then breaks up into mist or something. Nifty. That's just me making stuff up on the spot. Probably. Let's see. Uh, Let's let's find out for real. Uh, Vampiric mists, sometimes called crimson mists, are all the remains of vampires who couldn't return to their burial place after being defeated or suffering some mishap. Oh, you're not not that far off. No, not that far. 
Which uh, I think, okay, that speaks to some of this, though, because if you could just riffing guess what the monster was, like its history and lore, then maybe we don't need all of the text that's in here because <laughs> um, you you just like threw a dart and got this thing's backstory. Not quite. Like, not quite, but close enough. A, a perfectly legitimate backstory, but... You go off. We're back to the randomly rolled names. Incredibly ridiculous looking things. <laughs> He's a little okay. There's a Durgalaw. Dur. Who's very Durgalaw. excited to be here? <laughs> He's on what page two forty eight, and he's waving at us. A lot. <laughs> With a all of his arms. Hydroloth. I wonder what loth means. Oh. He has layer actions. Oh, no. Marinloth is the one with layer actions. Re- he CR3. Why does he have regional actions? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm starting to be with you on this one. <laughs> no, see, he's not huge, though. So it's- No, he just affects, like, miles around him. It's cool, though. Like, hags will, like, affect their environment. All right, that's fair. Oh, I guess it's like a sea hag, kind of, except cooler. Probably not. Well, this guy's badass. Look how angsty he is. He has a hood. Exactly. And And, and a fiery boat oar. And for some reason, the underside of his cloak is glowing red, but... Yeah, it's cool. He's, like, I think they're trying to make that the lighting from the torch. Yeah, that had occurred to me, but it doesn't actually make sense, so... Oh, Christ, what is this? That guy's slipping forward. is made of book. transistors or something. He's got a loincloth made of book. We're at the Yagnaloth. Oh, hey, that is a book. And he's got a loincloth made of book. I know that you wouldn't recognize one of those on sight, I had to but... Get- <laughs> I have a little bit of distance from the actual book we're looking at, and so I had to get a better vantage on it to see that it was, in fact, a book. But yeah, yeah, his loincloth is a book, and that's literally all he's wearing. One book. Oh, God. Like, I, I need to know. anyone who Also, one of his arms is super large and swollen. The other one's all small, like some teenager who photoshopped his arm in a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> and his ears are wings, and this is just the most homebrew thing. <laughs> It, this is like book a sexually confused 14 year old who's insecure about his self image made this his character and now it's an official monster in the monster manual it's a yagnoloth this is not the monster manual the monster manual is sacred this is in Morgan Kanan's tome of foes massive arm is one of his attacks <laughs> okay that's no, the last grab creature grab my strong arm <laughs> that's the last creature and then there's uh, tables to put these things in table in creatures by environment, and then and I only saw the one magic item in the whole book. Yeah, magic the item. silver sword. Yeah, if you're gonna throw one in there in random, come on, people, give me throw me a couple more bones. Like, yeah, give me a magic item per section of dry history I had to read, or give me something useful or interesting per section of dry <laughs> crap I skimmed over at best. All right, so so now that we we've torn Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes apart, uh, unfairly in some cases, but uh, mostly though accurately, we should talk about how we're now going to be attempting to make uh, <laughs> our own D and D content. Oh yeah, we're trying to put together a zine. Yeah, um, we don't quite have a name for it yet. I think we should call it "Thieves Can't Make a Zine." I- Angela recommended Arcana Check, and I really like just oh, Arcana yeah. Check. 
it's, it's yeah, a yeah, simple, I think, straightforward Yeah, name. it's going to be called Arcana Check. I like that. Yeah. Arcana or Arcana? It's a, that's important. Or can I put an umlaut in there and call it, like, Arcuna? I'm going to hire another writer. No! <laughs> I'm, I'm a good writer. I do good. Um, and I'm super excited about uh, our first theme. So I think by this month or next month, I'm not sure yet. Probably next month because it's the 25th. Yeah, pretty late this month. Um, but we're going to be putting out a zine. It's going to be called Arcana Check. And our first issue's theme is going to be about stealing. The merits of that. One of the things I'm put to putting together is an exotic weapons list that will be appearing in this. And I love my exotic weapons list because I hate every other exotic weapons list. And mine is good. I thought good. you were making a list of magic items. Um, it, I, I shifted a bit. Um, instead of stealing from League of Legends, which is... So originally, my concept was I'm going to steal from League of Legends and create a bunch of magical items that are uh, cool, and specifically for DMs, I decided to make something that's there for DMs and for players, and that kind of subverts the idea of an exotic weapons list. But you're not stealing it. You're just making an exotic weapons list. No, no, like Cloud's Bustard Sword is in there. Cloud's Mustard Sword is in there? Buster Sword. Cloud's Buster Sword is in there. And uh, other, like, like... Big anime weapons and, and stuff. Okay. Like, and, okay, so I hate exotic weapons lists because they tend to just be, here's the traditional weapons of a people who are far away. And that's not really exotic if you then take your book and go to Japan with it. Like, a katana stops being exotic. Yeah. And furthermore, the player's handbook just has rules for a katana. Like, yeah, it's a long sword. Uh, or a die katana would be a great sword. Yeah. And like, boom, you're done. You don't need that. So there's this uh, Patreon up there right now called the Steel Road or something like that. And it's a giant exotic weapons list. And um, don't steal from another creator. That's I'm not stealing from them. I'm criticizing them because oh. they're making this giant weapons list. That's like, OK, A, they're kickstarting a thousand dollars of weapon list. And I don't know, man. OK, right off the bat, I want to say I am pro other creators, people making shit. That's cool. You do you. I support you. I'm not paying you for a weapons list, but I really sincerely hope you find people who will. No, no, no. I want them to succeed. I want them to... They have, like... They're super ambitious. They go down to, like, they have a $10,000 stretch goal for their weapons list. And it's like... <laughs> Nice. You do you. Like, I want them to at least get funded because, you know, it's a thing people want. But also, I'm incredibly critical of exotic weapons list and the fact and they're the ones that made me think about it. So so my exotic weapons list is going to be in the first issue of our zine and uh, the Arcana check. And that's going to be available on our Patreon. So do you need like a bunch of new anime weapons I can point you at? Like, do you have your uh, Naginata, yours? Um, I have generalized a lot of different things but yeah uh, if you could take a look at the list and suggest things you got uh, some commas in there you got some uh oh yeah. what's what's his sword from uh can't remember the anime right now it's been so long since i was a weeboo um <laughs> you're still a weeb dude it's fine sort of uh the the swordsman with the cross on his cheek oh uh, i don't know roroni kenshin roroni kenshin 
Okay, his sidekick had a ridiculously large sword, and I can't remember the name of it, and I am weirdly disappointed in myself for not remembering this incredibly obscure thing. <laughs> I, I have, uh, I actually have a design goal behind my exotic weapons, and that's okay. to fill niches that players want but can't find for mechanics reasons, but also to copy and steal from anime and video games and stuff. So I've got, I've got like Bayonetta's weapons in there. Her high heel. Uh, uh, no, her gunchucks. I have her gunchucks in nice. there. Because that's, that's actually exotic. That is. You're never going to encounter gunchucks. Google Zombato. Zombato? I think it's with an S. Zombato. But it could be with a Z. Nope, that's a belt for some reason. Yeah, I don't know what you're trying to find. Damn it, I have to know the answer right now. Google uh, Rurone Kenshin Giant Sword. All right. R yep. Oh, damn. That's... Yeah, that's what I meant with a buster sword. And and one of the things I'm, I'm doing with this is I'm kind of generalizing about it. So I call it Ridiculously Oversized Sword in the uh, in the rough draft I've got right now. But then um, it will have examples under it. Like So an example of the Ridiculously Oversized Sword is the Buster Sword or this thing from Maroni Kenshin, which is also huge. And it, it has tags that are different from just a normal great sword. Zach is furiously Googling. Uh, I'll let it go. I don't want to, but I'll let it go. <laughs> what is it? Like, what are you trying to find? I'm trying to find the name of his sword. At one point, Kenshin fights him and he like lists some properties of the ridiculously large sword. And I thought that was absolutely charming as if people could actually attempt to use something like this. And I realize there's some historic precedent of the like Claymore-like weapon, but the depiction of it, it's like two of him. And that's not... That's not a real sword. Oh, okay. he refers to it as Zanbato. Okay. You got the name right. We just couldn't spell it. Yeah. It's Zanbato, his signature weapon. I am a nerd. It's spelled with a Z and with an, a special like line over the O. Yeah, like that's just a really big sword. Oh, it's, and it's a real thing. Yeah, uh, it's nothing. It's a especially large single-edged sword dating to the Han period in historical Japan. Yeah, nothing like it's depicted in the anime, but yes, it's a real sword. Nifty. I'm also doing, uh, and I don't know when this is going to come out, but I'm also doing a traditional weapons pack, and this is um, very specifically for here, here are weapons only elves can use. Here are weapons only tieflings can use. Why could only tieflings or elves use them? Well, it's not that no one can use them. It's they're the only ones who can use them correctly. So, like, any dolt can pick up a longsword, but only an elf can use an elven longsword correctly. That is, with the finesse tag. Mm. <laughs> you hate it, and I love it it's so much. It's just so much fodder for power gamers. Yes, that's the point. It's <laughs> largely the point. And as a power gamer, I appreciate not having much fodder because I I don't miss the days of having to have 30 books to build one character at level one. But also, uh, there's options for goblins and stuff that uh, those okay. are really lacking. So Yeah, goblin options would be really cool. Or kobold. Or... And also, uh, both the traditional weapons list and the exotic weapons list are supposed to be things you find in the world, not start with. That's fair. These are supposed to be expensive things, um, first of all. And they're supposed to be rewards without them being magic items. Okay, no, that's cool. I'm down with that. Especially, uh, the thing I love the most is the giant boomerang trope. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's definitely in my uh, exotic weapon list. Go, go, mate! <laughs> yep. 
Um, or I, I'm very specifically thinking of uh, the one from Skies of Arcadia. Okay, that's fair. Can what? I have a black hole in my hand? A black hole in your hand? What? Why? Well, if you're oh, the enemy! That's a magic weapon, dude. Okay. Like, that's very specifically attuned and cursed. That is the coolest curse ever. Like, that would that's just a brokenly powerful curse. Yeah. Um, okay, do we we're, we're talking about anime now, so we might be done. We might be done, because we... we Bart doesn't even like anime, and I, there's not much I, I watch anymore. I used to like anime way more than I do now. That's fair. But um, I think we're going to sign off. This was Be Fatty and the Zog with our uh, Thieves Camp Metasode. Okay, hold up. I have to give him crap because he refused to watch both One Punch Man and Mob Psycho 100, which if you're watching anime, you know he screwed up. That's the best anime in a long time. But okay, signing off. But wait, no, you Bye, can't start fatty. an argument. And then, no, Bye. but I need to argue. Rats need cot? Pesky wizards in hedges. Hedges too tall? Reach out to the Iraq Adventuring Consultancy today. No adventure too small, no task too tall. No offense intended to our halfling neighbors, of course. If you need help, come to our Southside offices at 42D Stubtoe Lane, just next to the Mushroom Bakery and the Violent Hobo. Are you talking about me in there? No, your gay, sorry, hang on. <laughs> Stop in, give us the details related to your questing needs and we'll get you a quote the same day or your money back. And thanks for listening to Thieves Cant Podcast. To see what we're up to, visit us at patreon.com slash thievescant or at ramen-empire.com. Tune in next week for the continuing adventures of the AAC.